Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. The year was nineteen eighty six, and my friends were going through what I would call a horror awakening. It had started probably a couple of years earlier. They had become obsessed with horror films, and now they were dragging me unwillingly into their world. No longer could I count on them to go see the comedies that I loved. Instead, they would drag me into any horror film we could get into, or more likely sneak into. I would eventually really come to love horror films, but I wasn't one of those who took to the slasher genre naturally, I guess. And in 1986, I went to the movies with my friends to see the film The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I dreaded going because I knew what was in store for me. We got in, and about 15 minutes into the film, I had to get up and leave. I knew what was coming, I knew horror awaited me, and I just wasn't ready for it. I thought I could take a while in the bathroom, then, you know, maybe wander around the hallway, kind of pop in and out, maybe miss the worst parts. I tried to do that, but every time I would come in, there would be some horrible scene that would scare the heck out of me, and I'd kind of back up and walk out. Then I would go to the front, stand by the concession stand, or stand by the arcade games. Now at this point, I was out of money, and everybody was in the theater, so nobody was playing these games, so I didn't even have anything to watch. What was worse is that they were going to be out soon, and I would have to explain to them why I hadn't been in the theater. But then, an opportunity presented itself. The arcade guy had come in to collect the money for the games. He saw me standing over the gauntlet game, which my friends and I had played before the movie. And he asked me what I was doing, and I said I was waiting for my friends who were in the movie theater. And he decided to, like many great people in that profession, give me free credits. And not a small amount of free credits, like 20 free credits. And I proceeded to start playing gauntlet. And with 20 credits, I could play for a good amount of time, continuing over and over again and I was still playing by the time my friends got out. So when they asked me why had I skipped out, I said, well, I'd rather play Gauntlet, and there were all these credits in the game. It wasn't the truth, but I really didn't want to face their barbs, as they knew I might be too afraid to watch this film or that film with them. I would eventually see Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and quite a few 80s slasher films. I can't say I like them as much as I like playing Gauntlet, but they have a special place in my heart now. On today's show, I'd like to talk to you about that video game that saved me from a little bit of embarrassment, Gauntlet. We'll talk about the gameplay, where it came from, who created it. We'll go into strategy a bit, its reception, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show.
Gauntlet is a fantasy hack-and-slash dungeon crawl arcade game made by Atari Games. It was released in October of 1985. In the game, you pick up to four characters. The warrior, who wields a battle axe. His name is Thor. Questor, the elf, who has a bow and arrow. Merlin, the wizard, who wields magic. And Valkyrie, who uses a sword and shield. Each of these characters have strengths and weaknesses. For example, Thor is very strong and good at getting in the front line and taking a hit. Merlin is better at magic, and the object of the game is to move through mazes as you go deeper and deeper into a dungeon, collecting treasure, potions, and of course points along the way. But let's take a step back and talk about the origins of Gauntlet. The game was designed by Ed Logg. I've talked about Ed before in the Asteroids and Centipede podcast. He was a game designer, worked on those two titles and many others at Atari. He decided he wanted to create basically what was Dungeons and Dragons gameplay for the arcade. And he was inspired by his son, who was really into the game, and another game he had played called Dandy. And Dandy had its origins back in 1982. It was written by Jack Palovich as part of his thesis of horror, which is what he called his MIT bachelor thesis. And the concept, which is really cool and is very similar to Gauntlet, involved five people playing a game at the same time. Four people playing on Atari computers, which would act as terminals, and another person who would be the dungeon master controlling all those actions from one computer. Unfortunately, the dungeon master part of this was never implemented, and instead a machine was used as a file server to send new maps on demand to the Atari computer, which you played on. And all of this was inspired by a, another very popular game, The Game of Life by John Conway. And in that game, at each turn, the game recalculates to determine whether or not a square should hold a cell, a cell of life. And that basic mechanism was used to generate these dungeons, these sort of 2D dungeons for Dandy. I guess this all starts with Dungeons and Dragons because obviously the gameplay of Thesis of Horror was very similar to Dungeons and Dragons in that you would have had a DM, but at the very least you had weaponry and a fantasy setting. The game almost has a roguelike feel to it. If you've ever played roguelike games, those are games where you can die very easily. But Palovich kind of came up with this separately. He had not played any rogue games at the time he designed this. After graduating from MIT, Palovich went to work for Atari at the Atari Research Division, working on sound chips, amongst other things. And while there, he continued working on his game. At this point, he refined the game, removing the file server instead using floppy disks. He also removed the ability to move up in dungeons. Instead, you could only go down. And we're starting to see something that looks a lot like Gauntlet. Enter Ed Logg, born in Seattle, Washington, currently a retired video game designer. Logg worked at Atari's coin-op division, where he worked on Centipede, Asteroids, the unreleased Dirt Bike, Millipede, and of course Gauntlet. Originally, when he conceived the game, it was called Dungeons, which is very similar to Dungeons & Dragons, and design of the game was led by Logg and Roger Zeigler. In April of 1985, the title Dungeon became unavailable, and it was switched to Gauntlet. There was controversy around the release of the game in that that log is credited for the original game design in the arcade version and the 1985 
1987 Nintendo version. Palovich threatened a lawsuit stating that the game was ripped off his game Dandy, and they are very similar. The lawsuit was settled out of court. I believe it was settled for a gauntlet game, of all things. Log would have his name taken off the credits in versions after the 87 NES release. The game Dandy, oddly enough, would later be released by Atari and published on the Atari 2600, 7800, and XZ as Dark Chambers. This all before the release of Gauntlet 2, which we'll talk a little bit about later. We'll return after these messages. Thirteen years ago, audiences across America were horrified by the brutality of a faceless killer. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, directed by Toby Hooper. Now playing at a theater near you. Fantasy adventure from Atari Games. The most fun a quarter can buy. And now, back to the show. Gauntlet was revolutionary in a lot of ways. It had a great and very cool speech synthesizer, and those sounds included such famous lines as Elf needs food badly, or remember, don't shoot food, all these great lines, and there were 212 sounds in all, including music, sound effects, and digitized voices. It also had non-linear gameplay, in that you chose what you wanted to do and how you wanted to play, which was very different than any other game. You could try to run to clear the game faster, you could seek out food, you could try to rack up points, and your strategy changed based on other players and what they were doing. Now one of the cool things about Gauntlet, besides the fact that four people could play, there had been other four-player games, is that at any time, while anyone else was playing, you could just drop in and play with another person. So, in theory, those four slots were always available. No downtime. And this was risky because with a four-player cabinet, there's a lot more moving parts, a lot more things could break down, but Atari took a risk. We'll talk a little bit about how it was received later. This was going to be a big deal, and I think other companies even knew it because there's some controversy around this. When they sent the game out for evaluation, Log went to go check on it, and he found developers from Sega taking photos of his cabinet. Needless to say, they yanked the game from that location. A year after Gauntlet's release, Sega would release a four-player game called Quartet. Not exactly like Gauntlet, certainly not as good, it's side-scrolling. The gameplay of the game, as I said, is open-ended. You take the role of one of those characters and make your way through the dungeon, fighting various creatures like grunts, ghosts, lobbers, demons, thieves, and sorcerers, and of course the dreaded death character. And the goal is, well, whatever you want it to be. Is it to clear levels? Is it to score points? It's up to you. But you should know which character you want to play based on maybe your personality or game style. The warrior Thor is the strongest in hand-to-hand combat. The Valkyrie has good armor, the elf is the fastest, and of course the wizard is the best at magic. 
I always wanted to play the wizard, to tell you the truth, but oddly enough, I got stuck playing the warrior all the time. I didn't mind him. It's fun kind of to get in the front there, but it was always kind of a surprise to me in retrospect that I played the warrior most of the time. Usually I don't play warriors in fantasy games all that often. Hypothetically, you could play for a very long time in this game, especially the original version of it. And it was especially easy to play the warrior and the wizard for a long period of time. But they would create an updated ROM that sort of leveled the playing field and made the game, I guess, more difficult. Now, a little bit about strategy. I'd say the first and most important thing if you're going to play Gauntlet is find some friends. It's more fun with them. Also, it helps to play cooperatively. You've got to find the person who has the best ability, say the wizard who is good with magic and make sure that they usually get the magic potion that's not to say you should waste your potions try to be conservative use them when you need to it's the same with keys try not to waste them all the time if you have a warrior and the valkyrie make sure that they're in the front they can take the most hits avoid death and avoid ghosts and you should go pretty far on this game there are a couple little tricks in the game if you remain motionless for about 30 health, all of the doors will open in the game. If you stall and let 200 health run down, all the walls turn into exits as well. This was added because there are some levels which require you to pick up a key before you exit. And if you are already filled with keys and the doors are gone, then it's impossible for you to exit. So they had to come up with a workaround. So there are these levels that have a ton of food on them. So basically, if you stock up on food, get your health up, then you get to the really hard level, you could jump to the next level pretty quickly. A level that might have been a real challenge suddenly becomes a cakewalk. You just need patience and, I guess, the knowledge. If I were to pick one character to play alone, I would probably play Questor, the elf. He's very fast, has pretty good magic, pretty good strength, just overall a pretty good guy. He can also shoot through cracks when he has the power potion, which gives him this sort of special ability. Now, as I mentioned, this game was very popular. At the 1986 Golden Joystick Awards in London, it was runner-up for arcade-style game of the year and won game of the year. 7,848 units were sold in the U.S., and a few thousand more were sold around the world. While that was nothing compared to the earlier success of games like Miss Pac-Man and Space Invaders, it is really good compared to the other games that came out in 1985. For example, Temple of Doom, which was a pretty popular game, and I would find it everywhere, sold only 2,800 copies. So a very popular title for the time, and deservedly so. The game, of course, was ported to many, many systems, including the Apple II, the Atari 8-bit, Atari ST, Amstrad CPC, Commodore 64, DOS, Mac, the NES, Sega Master System, the Xbox 360, and the ZX Spectrum. We'll return after these messages. How can you get all the thrills of Gauntlet 2 to your very own home? Just pick up the new NES version, Gauntlet 2, with all the graphics, sound, and features of the arcade original. From Mindscape. And coming soon, Dirty Harry. 
Your dungeon master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. You're playing the most phenomenal game ever created. Your skin grows cold from your first glimpse of the enormous beast. It's a product of your imagination. Survival depends on a quick, decisive move. The choices are limited. Stand and fight, or run. Use your lightning bolt. Victory is yours. Win the treasure. TSR Hobbies. Dungeons and Dragons games. Products of your imagination. And now, back to the show. If you're going to have a quality game like this, you're going to have some sequels. And Gauntlet has had several. Most notably, Gauntlet 2, which was released in 1986. It has gameplay very similar to the original Gauntlet, top-down. But you can, instead of having to pick a very specific character, you could pick your class. And you could all be that class. So you could have a red wizard, a blue wizard, or three Valkyries, whatever you want. The game also added some brand new level design, trick shots, and some fancy wall levels, including invisible walls and magic walls that do different things when they're hit. In 1987, if you owned a computer with the original Gauntlet, an expansion, Gauntlet The Deeper Dungeons was released in Europe by the British company US Gold, and in the US by Mindscape. Many of the levels in it were made by people, because there was a design contest in which 10 winners were awarded a Gauntlet t-shirt and a copy of the game. These games are a bit harder, but... I wouldn't say better, just sort of adds more Gauntlet. There have been some modern Gauntlet titles as well. In 1998, Gauntlet Legends was released by Atari for the arcade, and in 2000, Gauntlet Dark Legacy was released by Midway. I played both of these games in the arcade. Can't say I love them. Their gameplay is very different, much more modern seeming, and to me, just not as fun. Still, if I see them in an arcade, I would still play them. I mean, after all, it is Gauntlet still. If you've seen Gauntlet in the arcade and it's not Gauntlet being played on it, maybe it's Gauntlet 2. That is because Atari produced a conversion kit for the game. Konami also created a conversion kit to convert the game to either Crime Fighters or the main event. Since you already had the hardware and it was popular, why not put another game on there, I guess? None of them were as good as the original Gauntlet, though. There was a unique variant, a two-player version of Gauntlet, and there were only a handful of those ever made. And of course, there are foreign language variants of the game. If you've never played Gauntlet, want to try it, the Internet Archive hosts a free in-browser version of the game that looks pretty much like the original. It is really amazing how far we've come. If you want to become the world record holder, you better start practicing, because the world record is held by Dwayne Richard, and according to Twin Galaxies, in September of 2010, he scored 4,458,580 points. This is on the one-player variation with no continues allowed. So one credit, play as far as you go. 4.4 million. That is pretty amazing. Well done, Dwayne Richard. Gauntlet did not come out during the golden age of video games, but in a way, in its small way, it helped to harken back to something that was just happening a few years earlier, and I think extend the life of arcades, or at least the joy that arcade games were bringing to people in the 80s. So if you're looking for some good, old-fashioned arcade fun, head to your local arcade and see if they have a Gauntlet, or just go online, try it, maybe you'll pick up one of the old ports, Maybe you'll get yourself a main machine with four players, and you'll embark on some adventures of your own. Just remember, don't shoot the food.
Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. That's a great sound. You hear the helicopter? I think a helicopter is landing on my head. There it goes. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.